Hallelujah. Praise God. Everybody say the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're, we're here. We're going to get into the Word of God. And I believe that what we have for you today will change your life. I believe that it's something that you can apply in your life. It's something that we should get in the works in our life so that we can impact others for Christ. And so let's go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you for this time together. We ask you in the name of Jesus to come alongside and help me deliver what you have and help each and every person here, including myself, receive from you, Father God. Open our hearts, Father, in the name of Jesus, so that you can place your word in us to the point that we can see where we need to change, where we need to adjust, where we need to grow. And Father, we thank you for setting us free. We thank you, Father God, for for delivering us in the name of Jesus by your word. We thank you for your for your goodness and your faithfulness in every area of our life. And we just give you praise and glory for everything you're about to do in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I had a little story I want to tell you. And just listen closely. A man was walking along a beach. And when he was walking along this beach, he noticed that there were thousands of starfish along the beach that had been washed up. They were left on the sand by the receding tide. And the sun was coming up pretty strong, and so these starfish that are on the beach would soon you know, just burn up, just dry up because of that hot sun. And so the man, as he was walking along, noticed with all this that he noticed a boy that was picking up starfish and flinging them back into the ocean. And planning to teach a boy a little lesson in common sense, the man walked up to the boy and he said, I've been watching what you were doing, son, and... I believe you have a good heart, and I know you mean well, but do you realize how many beaches there are around here and how many starfish are dying on every beach every day? And surely such a diligent and kind-hearted young man as yourself you know, could find something better to do with your time. Do you really think that what you're doing is making a difference? So the little boy looked up at the man, and he looked down at his feet, and there was a starfish, and he He picked up the starfish and he gently tossed it back into the ocean. He looked back up at the man and said it made a difference to that one. You see that. See, in other words, the boy saw that his actions could impact something in a positive way. He really didn't stop to think about how many there were. (laughs) He didn't stop to think about the negative side of things. You know, we live in a world that seems to flow on the negative side of things. It's always looking for the negative. Just watch the news. I mean, all of it is is negative, negative. They'll throw one puppy story in there, you know, make everybody laugh and, oh, that's cute, you know. But what I'm trying to say is most of the time it's negative, 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 negative. Finding the bad. You ever, you ever, you ever deal with someone that no matter what you say, no matter what you did, they find the negative? It's like you can talk about anything and they just hone in on the one negative thing going on. You know, that's how the devil is. The devil always finds the negative. He always finds the thing that he could pick on, the thing that instead of looking for something good, you've heard me say this, I've mentioned this little story several times, but my old pastor had a grandmother that was blind. He'd be in the kitchen when he was just a boy, you know, maybe 10 or so, and just amazed at everything she could do being blind. She knew where everything was. She almost anticipated everything. And and one day, she always found the positive to say everything about everything. 
I mean, no matter what you said, he could complain and she'd find something positive to say. And finally, when he said, oh, grandma, you'd find something good about the devil. So she paused for a moment, then thought and said, well, you've got to admit he's a pretty hard worker. See, we could find something positive about anything. Well, the fact is there are others that are always looking for the negative. What I want to talk about is making a difference, living, being a living example in your life to others. You know, this boy, again, did something that affected things in a positive way. Making a difference matters. It does. Just reading that story can influence you to want to do good, to help, to serve, to consider those type of things. You can make a difference, and you should be making a difference. You know, positively or negatively, every single one of us, every single day, are influencing someone. Whether that be positive or negative, we are impacting someone's life. You may not realize it, but somebody's always watching you. You're always watching someone else. You're always paying attention to other people, whether you realize it or not, and they do influence you. Ruth Graham, which is uh, Billy Graham's wife, said this, no one is useless. They can always serve as a bad example. Think about that for a moment. There's so much truth to that. I remember an associate pastor we used to have in a church I was part of many, many years ago. And he would always look for every opportunity to illustrate the power of influence from one person to another. And he would use, for example, at the time, we were part of a church that probably had about 250 people. And so in the sanctuary, you know, if, even if the kids were in class, we at least had 150, 200 people in there. We, we would try to get everybody, of course, to raise their hands and praise God. And, and he said this, he, he would encourage us who were in leadership to get out there, sit somewhere where we're influencing at least eight people around us. In other words, the few people right in front, few people in the back, and one on each side. We practice what we know to do will influence those around us. You get that? So in other words, if we're all doing that all over the place, like kind of planting seeds, we're going to impact other people. We're going to help them. Sometimes, like when it comes to a simple thing like worship, there's a lot of Christians maybe that are newbies. They, they maybe just received Jesus, or they're unchurched, and they're looking at us like, why is this weirdo raising his hands? Anybody remember those days? When you stood there thinking, what is going on here? Or maybe you were in a stuffed shirt church. Just sing, Stana. And just don't do anything. You know, don't raise your hands, don't clap. And if anybody did that, an usher might escort you out. Saying, what are you, getting wild here? Getting nuts? I don't mind a little bit of energy. It's okay with me. I like that, all right? I believe heaven will be that way. But my point is, is that we can impact others. We can make a difference in their life. We can make things easier on them. Let me give you an example. Have you ever waited for someone else to make the first move? For example, before maybe you volunteered for something. You want to volunteer. You're thinking about it. But you're waiting for someone else to do something. Someone else raise their hand. Someone else act on something. And then you go ahead and and do something. No one even flinched when I said that. But every one of you have done it. Every one of you have waited for someone else to step forward. In other words, for example, uh, let's say that you want to step forward even in a commitment in a church. 
Somebody might, a minister might have a powerful message and he, and he goes and he says, why don't you step forward and show your commitment to the Lord? Maybe, or get down and pray and show your commitment to the Lord. They're, everybody's waiting for someone else to start it, to someone else to make a move, right? Think about it for a minute. Everybody, we're all looking for someone to influence us. We're looking for leadership. We're looking for someone to, okay, let's get started. Maybe it could be, I need help, but I won't admit it. But if they ask for help, that will give me what I need to ask for help. Boy, it's quiet in here. But isn't it the truth? We really are waiting for someone. And thank God the someone stood up and did something because sometimes if someone doesn't do it, no one does anything because everybody's waiting for someone to do it. And someone doesn't do it, so no one does anything. And everybody just sits there real quiet. And so what we need is we want to be that person of influence. Say it with me. Say, I want to be the person of influence. You should. You should. You should want to influence others. You want to make a difference in the people around you. You want to encourage them. You want them to what follow in the Lord. You want them to do good things. You want them to help, to serve. Well, they need someone to look at. They need someone who does these things around them. We all wanted our children to really be good children and look out for other people. Well, guess what? The only way that's going to happen is that they see it in us. If they see that occurring in us, then it won't even be something they really question in their own lives. They'll just do the right thing. I remember not too long ago, my oldest daughter shared a story about doing the right thing. Now, this is one of those circumstances where she didn't have to. No one knew. It was just her. And she banged someone else's nice car in the parking lot. No one knew she did it. And it was a nice car. And she's boom. Oh, you know, she didn't mean to, and it was an accident. The wind caught it. And she's just, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And no one's around, and she knows it's going to hit her. It's not going to be a good thing. Well, she does the right thing. She leaves a note and, uh, with the person because she doesn't know where they're at, and they call her. And she's gulping, and so she, <laughs> they worked it out, and it cost her a couple hundred. I don't remember what it was. It made a little scratch and mark. And so the guy said, instead of going through insurance, we'll just take it somewhere. And she just said, I'll, I'll pay for it. Just let me know. Oh, Lord, please don't let it be too big. And she did the right thing. And it kind of irked her some. But she did the right thing. Well, where did she learn that? Mom and dad were an influence in that area. We would never just walk away from something like that. We would do the right thing, even if it hurt us a little bit. Isn't that the way we should be? Most of you agree. Yeah. Yes, you should. You should do the right thing. You know what the definition of character is? Doing the right thing when no one's looking. In other words, it's one thing on how we act in front of people in this kind of situation where we're, you know, in church or in some situation like that, but how do you act? What do you do when no one's there? Now, there is someone there all the time. But I'm not, I'm not talking, you know, I'm talking about there's no person as far as a physical person next to you. What do you do? How do you act? Do you slip something and just take it? You know, no one knows. And you might say, no, adults do that. I don't think so. My son, he worked in the jail system for a while. 
He was amazed at what he saw. He just couldn't believe some of the things he saw. And it was good for him. Now he's, he's a policeman in Glenpool. But he saw things at a very young age and, and, and realized that, you know, not everybody's honest. Not everybody's truthful. Or they wouldn't have been in there. Now they're all, everybody says, I didn't do it. <laughs> well, something landed you in there. Even if you didn't do the one thing that landed you in there, who were you hanging around and what have you been doing? Somehow it all connects. You understand what I'm saying? But anyway, we want to influence people to do good things. And so that's what I want to talk about. One of the definitions of the word influence is a power affecting a person, a thing, or a course of events. Now, this is a better way of saying it. it, we're, We're saying something that affects a person, a thing, or course of events, but especially one that operates without any direct or apparent effort. In other words, I'm not trying to convince someone by talking to them. They're around me, and I influence them. There's a difference there. Let me give you an example. Someone relaxed under the influence of music. So, in other words... The music didn't really speak to them. It just affected them. It's just like all of a sudden I'm more relaxed now than I was. I was influenced by the music. Well, we can be influenced by people. Just being around them. The type of person they are. What we see in them without them speaking a word. That's the kind of influence I'm talking about. What I want for each and every one of us that we should all desire is to have and carry the type of influence in our life that works in other people, that draws them closer to the Lord, that gives them a desire to press into God without saying a word. It's just your lifestyle. It's just what's in you and what's around you makes them hungry for what you have. There's something they see in you they want. And again, you're not necessarily speaking to it. Your lifestyle is speaking louder than your words. Let me say that again. Your lifestyle is speaking louder than your words. That's a much greater testimony, especially to family. You ever try to witness to family? Not easy. Why? Well, they, they know you, every detail. They remember when you were younger. They'll pick on this. They'll pick on that. They just see you as a sibling or a son or daughter or whatnot. And so they focus on that and they look at that and it makes it harder. But your lifestyle speaks and they are watching it. You are influencing them more than you realize. What you need to do is just keep your big bazoo shut when you're all getting together and not try to force Christ down their throat. Just live for Christ. Let, Let me give you an example Gandhi said this, and I want you to think about it. I'm not saying let's quote Gandhi, okay? But I want you to think about what I'm about to say. He said this. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. What were they giving off? A bad testimony by what? By their lifestyle. Their lifestyle didn't say they were Christians. See, they said one thing but lived another. Think about this for a moment. The influence Gandhi could have had for the Lord. Think about it. Was he called? I absolutely believe it. I believe he was called. I believe he was called for the Lord. He said, I like Christ. I like what I read. Where, where did he learn about Christ? Obviously from the Bible, somebody teach, I like Christ. I just don't like the Christians I've run into. They don't act like him. 
what we need to do is, is agree that in, in too many cases that's true. And we want to look at our own life. Don't think of someone else right now. You think, boy, I know someone who needs to hear this. You need to look at yourself in your own life and concern yourself with you. Many Christians do not realize that their actions, their words, and their lifestyle undermine anything they say about Jesus. Let me say that again. I really want that to sink in. Many Christians do not realize that their actions, their words, and their lifestyle undermine anything they say about Jesus. And it's very, very important. I believe all of us want to reach more people for Jesus. None of us would intentionally turn someone away from the Lord. We want our lives to scream, Jesus is what? The way, the truth, the life. We want everybody to know that there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain, right? That there are good things. Even while we're here on earth, God has good things for us. But sometimes they they don't see that in our lives. It's like someone always, always talking about prosperity for years, but they're not living it. <laughs> People look at that thinking, I don't understand. You're always talking about so you're always talking about walking in love. You're always talking about this and you're always talking about that, but I'm not seeing the fruit in your life. See, what we need to do is look in our own life and ask ourselves, what kind of fruit is my life producing? What is behind me? What's my track record? And what, I'm not talking about words. I'm not talking about even telling people, I love the Lord. And I do love the Lord, and I'm not ashamed of it. But I'd rather my lifestyle show that. My decisions show that more than my words. The positive type of influence I'm talking about that can quietly impact others occurs this way. And I'm talking about as a believer. By spending time in the presence of God through His Word, through prayer, through praise, putting God's Word first... In every decision, everything that I do in life. And as I do that in my own personal life, I'm talking about personally, as I do that, what's going to happen is that by me placing God first in every area of my own life, eventually that's going to leak out and become visible to those around me. They will see that I always keep my word. They will see that I'm faithful. They will see that I'm generous. They will see that so on and so forth. That when they're picked on or they're, somebody tries to rail on them for whatever, they don't respond to it. They respond in love. They see that when you're kicked, you don't kick back. See, they see these things and that begins to speak in their life. I believe saint or sinner can detect this. They can detect the presence of self-control, of kindness, of generosity in someone's life without them ever saying a word. So let me give you an example in Scripture of this. Acts chapter 6. Go with me there if you want, or you can look on the screen. Acts chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, this was the beginning of the church, was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So in other words, they were helping people out, feeding and so on and so forth, and some things weren't working as smoothly as they should have been. Verse 2, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples 
and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. And He's not saying we're too high for that. He's just simply saying that it would be better for the apostles in this case, Peter and James and the rest of them, to spend time in the Word of God in prayer that's more beneficial for everyone instead of stopping just to do the physical labor and ignoring the Word of God in prayer. How many would agree with me on that? If I spend all my time, for example, doing physical labor on the church, guess what's going to happen when I get up here? i got nothing to give you because I haven't been spending any time. And so they're saying it would be wiser for us to do that. Okay, So what we have here in verse 3, Therefore, because of that, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Procurus and Nicanor, and don't correct me on my pronunciation. If you could do better than me, you come up, okay? I know some of these are wrong. I used to have a, a preacher I know that every time he'd get one he couldn't read, he'd just say hard word. You know, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, hard word, you know, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. Now, I want to point out a couple things about these verses that sometimes we can just slip right by, all right, and not see, but there's something very powerful here. There are two things I want you to notice about the passage. Number one, the congregation was to seek out, okay? The congregation was to seek out these men with a good reputation full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. In other words, the traits I believe that they were looking for were obvious to the natural eye. They were, they were living it. They were a living example in their life. And so the men and women of the congregation could see that in them. That was evident. They didn't have a vote. They didn't have... Like we would have, you know, let's line up nine presidential candidates and narrow them down slowly. That's not the way it worked. They were going to get together and agree that these seven were the ones. Now, I want you to also see the second thing is they chose. Remember, the congregation was told to seek out and they chose. Everybody say they chose. I want you to understand that the congregation chose those men they were commissioned to choose them and they did the bible doesn't say that the people the congregation spent hours asking god who were the men of good reputation full of the holy spirit and wisdom now i'm not implying that the congregation didn't pray but the bible says nothing of that so i can only preach you what the bible has the bible doesn't say anything about them praying or fasting or doing anything spiritual for that matter that we would consider spiritual. I believe this. I believe these men stood out. They stood tall, so to speak. They were obvious. Why? They were, remember, they were chosen by the congregation, and these men influenced the congregation. These men did certain things in their life that showed who they were, that they were men of good character, good reputation. They, they showed things that showed they were full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom. And it was obvious to everybody. In other words, what I'm trying to say is these men impacted the entire congregation in their everyday lives. 
They weren't up there saying, hey, choose me, choose me. Nothing about prayer. It was the congregation basically agreeing that these seven were the ones. What traits were they looking for? What traits were they looking for? A good reputation. Well, what does that mean? Think about it now. What does a good reputation mean in our culture? Well, I would say this. I would say they paid their bills on time. How many would agree? That's a good reputation. They pay their bills on time. They faithful, right? They do what they say they'll do. They're consistent. They, they show up on time. I know that there was a bunch of things going on this morning. And people, you know, there was all kinds of issues this morning. But the fact is this, that they were faithful. They were consistent. So I'd like to say it this way. They were consistently faithful. Amen. Don't you like that in someone that's around you? You ever meet someone that's unfaithful? That every time you ask them to do something, they never, they, oh, they say they'll do something, but they don't. Doesn't that just irritate you? The Bible in Proverbs talks about that. It's just irritating to be around someone like that. They were consistently faithful. They kept their word. They kept their word. They were generous. I believe they were on time. I believe they were helpful. I believe they walked in love. I believe they put others before themselves. What I'm trying to say is the traits they were looking for in these men were very evident in their lives. It was easy to pick them out. This person's that way. This person's. I believe that if we were to say we want to pick four men out of this church for something like that, I honestly believe, I think anybody would qualify, but I believe that you guys could probably easily pick. You could already think of a couple that you would pick right off the top of your head. That you see these traits in them, even though they're not necessarily trying to talk you into that. You see, man cannot see the heart as God sees it. How how many of you realize that now? You, You can't see someone's heart. Have you ever been deceived by someone you love that was close to you? All of you have but some of you are willing to admit it. You've been lied to. Someone stole from you. It could be any number of things. And it hurt. Why did it hurt? Because you thought you knew him. You thought you knew him. You thought you, thought you knew him. But the reality is, is that we can, only, we can only know someone over time. See, time reveals everything. That's why I always tell a young married couple, don't, don't get married too quick and don't play house. Amen? Don't play house, but spend time together in good situations and give it time. Just because a young man says certain things doesn't mean that he's actually living those things. See, a lot of guys will say a lot of things. Whatever you want to hear, I'm selling. Long as I get what I want out of the deal. Amen? In other words, the young man is a con artist. And I don't think it's any different with the young ladies either. The reality is, is that we want to be what? We want to see the real person, but we can only see the real person over time. The Bible says this, let me put it this way, know those who labor among you. In other words, before I'm going to promote someone next to me to do something that I'm going to delegate authority to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to know them. How am I going to know them? The only way, there's only one way, spend some time with them, be around them, see them under duress. In other words, in a work day, everything's going wrong. It's raining. It's yucky. It's cold. Did they maintain a good attitude? 
See, I'm watching that. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at someone. How are they over time? When things don't go right, do they have a fit? Anybody know someone like that? They just, ah, I just can't do it, you know? Well, the reality is I'm looking at that. Well, that's how I know. I know over a period of time I've seen them. No one's perfect, guys. But you can look at someone's character over a period of time and see fruit from it. And the Bible says we're supposed to be what? I'm not supposed to judge you, but I can be a fruit inspector. That's what Jesus told us. I can watch fruit. I can look at fruit and see what you're producing. And that tells me what kind of person you are. All I have to do most of the time to find out where someone's at spiritually is spend 10 minutes talking to them. I mean, I'll just listen to what they talk about, what comes out of their mouth. I'll give an example. Somebody that's spiritually mature and immature. Brother Hagen Sr., some of you might know, know who I'm talking about. He had uh, several visions of the Lord. He had seen the Lord, and, and I absolutely believe him. I, I have no doubt, no reason not to. And everything that he ever did or said was scriptural. It lined up with the Word of God. Well, people would ask him this, two things, okay? What did Jesus say, or what did he look like? Now, who's the immature one? Who cares what Jesus looked like? I need to know what he said, right? So if somebody said, oh, what did he look like? Was he wearing sandals? I mean, was he in a robe? What was he in? Well, that's immature. That's fleshly. That's irrelevant. But when someone said, what did he say? What what were the words that come out? What, What did he say? That is a sign of somebody a little bit more mature, a little sharper. Amen? So that's something just to think about. Here's what we're saying. The traits in the lives of these men were visible. They were very evident. As I said, man cannot see what God sees. But, listen carefully, man can see the physical manifestation of someone's heart toward God through their lifestyle and their actions. I cannot tell what's in someone's heart. But over time, if I watch their actions and their lifestyle, I can tell. I can tell. For example, if someone's hit or miss with church and comes occasionally once in a while, they're not on fire for God. And somebody could say, I am too. Well, the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So if we're on fire for God, we honor His Word. And if we honor His Word, we be there. And so that tells me they're not on fire for God. Somebody says, well, you can't judge them. I'm not judging them. I'm looking at the Word, and I'm examining fruit. (laughs) I'm not judging them. Boy, it's so quiet in here. All right. What I want to encourage us this morning in this simple message is this. That I want to encourage us to aspire to be men and women of good reputation full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. I want us to be those individuals, those individuals that someone else would seek out. So will you aspire to not only be called of God, we're all called, but be chosen. Remember, many are called, but few are chosen. And so be the one that's chosen. Will you set the personal standard of a believer in your personal life? without having to vocally say it. Now, it does matter what you say, right? If a a believer says, well, I love Christ, and is always talking negative, and always talking about how the devil's doing this and the devil's doing that, 
That's like Gandhi was talking about. (laughs) If they notice, we never are talking bad about someone else. We're never lying. We're never cheating. We're never bad-mouthing. We're never backstabbing. We're never gossiping. Well, they know something's happened in our life because everybody gossips in the world. Everybody, everybody says, I don't gossip, but let me tell you this in private. <laughs> I mean, that's gossip, okay? If someone told you not to repeat something and you repeat it to anybody, what did you do? And you deceived the person that you said, don't tell. I'm telling you guys, some of you, some of you need to learn to take that seriously. Why? See, God won't trust you. You might say, well, no one really knows that I told someone else. He does. How many would like to hear God tell you some secrets? How many? I've had the Lord tell me things that were going to happen and show me some things. But you know what? He can trust me. When he tells me not to say anything, I won't say anything. I promise. You ask my wife. I mean, if somebody comes up to me and shares something with me and they ask me, don't tell anybody, I'm not telling even my wife. Somebody says, well, you should share everything with me. Not if I told this person I'm not saying anything. Everybody say this with me. Say, keep your word to your own heart. Sometimes it hurts. That's why the Lord said, keep your word to your own hurt. How many of you believe it hurt the Lord when Adam turned over the authority that God gave man to Satan. Do you think it hurt? But he kept his word. He kept his word. Amen? Keep your word to your own hurt. Praise God. All right. Let's look at one more example before we we wrap this up. Joseph. Genesis chapter 39. I think Joseph is an amazing, amazing story on so many levels. But I, I always looked at him as an example The Bible doesn't talk a lot about, let me preface this, the Bible doesn't talk a lot about Joseph being that spiritual, to be honest with you. If you read the story of Joseph, what I love about it is you you read about him and you see the things and the evidence in his life of his relationship with God and his desire to do what the Lord told him, but you don't see it happening. You understand what I'm saying? You don't actually see Joseph praying and taking off with the Lord for an hour. You don't see uh, these stories of him crying out to the Lord, these type of things. What we see is the evidence of his life influencing others, but not necessarily the actions in his own personal life with the Lord. But evidently they're there because the guy had a tremendous amount of faith and trust in the Lord And he had something going on with God in his own personal life to even be able to live the way he did in some of the challenges that have happened in his life. But let's look at one little area. Genesis 39. Let's start reading with verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, by the way, before I I say anything further, I want to say this is after, remember, his brothers betrayed him. They wanted to kill him, but the oldest... Reuben talks some sense to the guys. Let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in this hole and sell him as a slave. That's much better. And we can get some money out of the deal too. <laughs> Man, who needs enemies when you have family like that, right? <laughs> you know? But anyway, that's the situation, okay? He was sold as a slave. Potiphar basically buys him, brings him in and uses him, and then we see God begin to do things in his life. So Genesis again, 39, verse 2. 
The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master, now this is what I want you to see. His master saw that the Lord was with him. You ought to underline that in your Bible or make a note or something. His master saw that the Lord was with him. And the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had he had put under his authority. So it was from the time he made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. All because of who? Joseph. Now, I want you to see something. The non-believer, okay? The non-believer, the Egyptian, saw that the Lord was with Joseph and that the Lord made everything he did to prosper. What did he see? Well, I believe Joseph didn't walk around saying, the Lord is with me. And if you believe in me, then the Lord will do great things in your life. I don't believe that. I believe this. Joseph's life was proof enough. His life, what you could just see, his response to things, how he acted. He was influencing this Egyptian. He, and, and not only that, but his lifestyle was bearing so much fruit that God began to bless everything this guy had because of Joseph. I mean, Joseph was an excellent example of someone who walked with God, who was honest, he was faithful and consistent, and quietly impacted everyone around him, no matter what situation he encountered. No matter what. And he encountered some very negative situations. See, many Christians, the minute things go negative, they start saying, Oh Lord, what did I do wrong? Oh Lord, why are you punishing me? Oh Lord, why is this happening? And not one time do you see Joseph doing this. Joseph apparently, no matter what situation he found himself, trusted the Lord that whatever this is, we're going to get through it. Whatever this is, Lord, I love you and I'm just going to trust you in it and we're going to work this thing out. And he would always rise to the top. He would always rise up. So let me ask you this. Would people that know you well say that about you? Ask yourself. Don't think of just you. Would other people say this about you? Some of the things we've been talking about. Would they say that you are and fill in the blank? Would people say that they saw that the Lord was with and put your name in there? If the answer is, some might, (laughs) well, then we have room to grow. Praise God. But the reality is, don't you want to be that influence? Don't you want to live your life here on earth? Why do you think we're still here? Listen to me carefully. If we weren't meant to influence others, if we weren't meant to go into all the world, then when we got born again, he could have just took us to heaven. Right? If he has enough power, guys, to save us and raise the dead, he certainly can take you to heaven. That's not a question. It's not an issue. And so if he didn't need us here for a reason, but there are many Christians that live their entire life for themselves, to themselves, 
it's about themselves, or they don't even realize that there's something much greater at stake here. Jesus said this, that our lives are not our own, that we've been bought with a price. We owe Jesus everything. Everything. And so our life should be laid down in a sacrifice to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And what he's going to say is this, just do my word and honor me. And then as I speak to you about some specific things, do them. But sometimes people say, I don't know what to do. There's a whole book full of it. <laughs> just honor the Lord. Just do, do what you learn when you're in church. Grab a hold of the Word of God. Take something like today and go ahead and download the message. Listen to it a few times. Stir yourself up. Make a decision that I'm going to be the influence in other people's lives. I'm no longer just going to focus on myself. Now, this is a challenge that all of us need to take. It's very, very serious. I want to give you an example in Scripture. We're not going to show this on the screen because she doesn't have this. But if you've got your Bible, you can look. I'll try to explain this to you as we're going along real fast. I want you to write down, if you're taking notes, what, why, how. Just what, why, how. Okay, what, why, how. And I'll explain this real fast, and you can write the Scripture down if you want. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, B. <laughs> Say, what, wait a minute now, my Bible doesn't have a B. I just mean the latter half of the verse, okay? If I said A, I mean the beginning part of the verse. So the latter half of verse 12, B, says this. This is the book of Timothy. This is Paul, uh, the apostle speaking, and he said, be an example to the believers in word, in conduct. That means our actions, how we live. In love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. In everything in your life, be an example. Everybody say, be an example. Now this is what the Lord is telling you and I. Be an example. That's the what. Be an example. The why. The why. 1 Timothy 4.15b. First <laughs> Timothy 4.15b says this. That your progress may be evident to all. That your progress may be evident to all. You say, what do you mean, progress? That means you're growing. You're developing. You're prospering. You're, you're beginning to walk in these things. You're beginning to talk differently and think differently and speak differently and live differently and handle your money differently. And people are beginning to see it. They're beginning to see you grow they're beginning to see you prosper in life. And I don't mean just financially. I just mean in every area of life. There's, they're like, something, Jimmy's different about you. And the last time I saw you was a couple of years ago, but you're not the same person that you were. And see, that's what the Lord wants. A living testimony without even opening our mouth, without even saying anything. They see it in our life. Now that's the why, okay? The why. Here's the how. 1 Timothy 4.15 says this. This is the whole verse. Meditate on these things, talking about what we're talking about in the Word of God. Give yourself entirely to them. So meditate on these things. Think on these things. Focus on these things. Do the Word and then give yourself entirely to them. That means what? Be a Jesus freak. You understand what I'm saying? Go overboard. Get crazy. All I know is you cannot do this. I'm going to have one toe in the world and one toe over here with the Lord. Can't do that. What did Jesus say? I'd rather you be hot or cold. 
But if you're lukewarm, I will basically I will throw you up. Who wants lukewarm? I mean, does anybody here want a gift that somebody didn't want to give them? Right? What's your first attitude if somebody offered you something? Well, I did this because I had to, not because I wanted to. What would you say? Keep it. Well, what, what makes you think the Lord wants that kind of love from you and I? And how, what is love? Love is an action. Love is not me saying I love the Lord. Love is me showing Him I love Him. My wife does not want to just hear I love you, I love you, I love you without actions backing up those words. Right? And so we give our lip service to the Lord, but we're not really walking in it. We're not really living it. Amen? Say, that's not me, Pastor. (laughs) All right. Philippians 3.17 says this. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Amen? So what is that saying? Every single one of us need to be a living example. A living example of what? Of love. A living example of Christ on the earth. A living example that when they look at us, they see Jesus, that our life points back to Him. I'm not taking credit for the good things God did in me and in my life. I point back to Him. I'm always pointing back to Him. My life points to Him. Amen?